right, hello everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the straight-to-video films of the VHS era. Tonight, we are talking about the 1987 low-budget, innovative zombie film, The Video Dead. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, last week we decided... A psychic enema was necessary after last week's depression simulator from the sea. We thought we'd be safe with Video Store Nightmare's first foray into horror comedy, 1987's The Video Dead, which, as of this broadcast, can be found for free on YouTube or for cash monies on Amazon Prime. And then you, like us, can realize there's no escape because this film has a scene where a grown-ass nude woman makes out with a 16-year-old actor. Do you really think, do you think this movie was trying to be comedic? That was the impression I got. I've never really thought about it. I mean, it's definitely got some moments of humor, but I had never really thought of this as a horror comedy. <laughs> I think like two-thirds of this film is trying to be funny. Uh, I don't know. I will wow. say though that um going through YouTube comments there's there's a there's a lot of online fanfare about this film. There are a lot of people who wax nostalgic about it saying that you know it scared them as kids. Yeah, this is a hugely beloved movie. So let me start then by by talking about how I first saw this cuz this is your first time watch, right? Absolutely. So I because I was a a nerdy introvert as a kid, I guess. Um, whenever my family went on vacation, like the first thing I wanted to do was go to the video store and see what like videos that one had that mine didn't, like my local video store. And growing up, this is a movie that I never saw in the video store. Like I just never saw the box anywhere. And given it's a pretty rare tape, I guess that made sense. But I was on a trip to Georgia with my family and we went in this little, like the definition of mom and pop video store. And I was gonna rent a movie for my mom and I to watch. And this is what I rented because I was like, I have never heard of this movie and they don't have it at my video store. and. So it ever since it's been sort of a a mythical film to me, I guess, because when I was old enough and when video stores were closing and I was buying so many VHS tapes out of the stores, this is one that I just never came across. But I'd remember like, wasn't there that movie I saw when I was like 11 about zombies that came out of a TV? Like, what was that called? And it was mysterious. Um, but then when eBay started to become a thing, like I discovered what movie it was and got a copy of it but this is um i i understand that a lot of people either rented this because it was straight to video or saw it on like late night cable and it's become a real favorite i think for a lot of people and the box art is awesome like if you did see this in the video store i see why people would rent it or would pick it up what do you think of the the cover Man, i gotta pull it up <laughs> I, I saw it on several lists of the best covers ever. I'm seeing about two or three different ones. 
So the American one is the one where there's like lightning coming out of the TV set and the zombie is reaching its hand towards us on Embassy Home Video. This is a pretty respectable box all the way around. The front is hot. The back has like the, the stills of all the zombies. Yeah, this is cool. The font's not offensive. <laughs> no. So I also have a um, I have a Japanese VHS from this is from Cinema Land. So if you collect Japanese VHS tapes, you know that all the Cinema Land boxes look the same. They're like an animated picture with a white border. Um, so this one I don't think is quite as cool, but I really like the tape. Like it's a cool thing to have. This is one of those things where, like, I can't believe movies like this got released in Japan. Like, it barely got released here. This this movie had an $80,000 budget. Which That's is inc incredible when you see the special effects. Yeah, that it's insane to me. Bonkers that this movie was made for $80,000. I read that they actually filmed the initial print for less than that budget. And then the studio watched it and said, oh, this needs more gore and yeah. gave them a little bit more money. Yeah, I read the same, but I don't know how the money broke down, like how much they got before versus after. Um, but this is the only movie that this director did. Um, the same guy wrote and directed. His name is Robert Scott. Uh, he became a second unit director in Hollywood and worked on like a lot of TV shows and some rather popular movies. But this is his only job as a director. And uh, I think that's kind of unfortunate. He was offered the opportunity to make a sequel, but they were going to give him the exact same budget. So he turned it down. Yeah. He was like, fuck no to that. I mean, making this was probably, I, I, I read somewhere that they, f to save money, they only filmed this on weekends. And so it took them like over a year to make it. So I just imagine him thinking about going through that a second time and saying, you know, hell no. But apparently the idea for the sequel was that people would go into the TV instead of the zombies coming out. I'd imagine at that point they would uh, maybe mix up the shows. I don't know. I think that's a cool idea. Like, I would watch that for sure. I feel like that is already a movie. Isn't there a, a film called uh, Terror Vision that's about that? So there is a movie called Terror Vision, and it actually got released on a double bill with Video Dead on DVD. But that is not the story. Hmm. Terror Vision is about an alien that comes down. All right, then. I mean, there's Pleasantville. <laughs> like, um, they go into the TV there. In in the second Ring movie, do they go into the VHS? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know if I ever saw the second Ring movie. I remember it was awful. And uh, I remember a really bad CGI deer. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I ever saw it. Um, I, I like the first Ring movie, though. Oh, yeah, that movie's great. Yeah, but um, no, I don't think I saw any of the sequel. Are there like four of them now? As far as I know, there's only two U.S. films. Well, I remember there 50s. was one There was one that was like rings plural. 
Like it wasn't ring two or three, it was rings. But anyway, let's time to investigate. Let's go back to the video dead. So what else should we say about this movie? Uh did you recognize any of the cast? Uh n- no. <laughs> so most of them never did anything else. Um, they were just in this, except the guy at the very beginning who originally gets the TV, Henry Jordan. He's played by Michael St. Michaels. Does that ring a bell at all? The name is familiar, but I wouldn't know what else he's been in. He is mainly famous for being in this movie, which tells wow. you some degree of his fame. Um, and he's only <laughs> he's only in like five minutes of it. Right. But he his career as an he was he started his career as a hairstylist um, and I think did hairstyles from uh, for some like major celebrities prior to this. Uh, but his acting career was resurrected by a writer director named Jim Hosking. Um, and he cast him as one of the leads in the greasy strangler, which if you have not seen the greasy strangler, I mean, it's a love it or hated experience, but it's very, idiosyncratic and unique in its style um that director made a movie after it called uh i think it's called an evening with beverly luflin but i have to look yeah an evening with beverly luflin and i liked that one even more i I highly recommend these movies but anyway so michael st michael's is the only one in the film that i know of having a career outside of the video dead and on that note, I just want to say Rings was ja- uh, from Japan only. So that was the third Japanese ring film. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I wasn't crazy. It, it does exist, but. All right. What else about the video dead? Who would you recommend this movie to? I, I know you're, you, you were a little surprised when I, I mentioned this is a horror comedy, but I think this is a horror comedy. I would put this... Uh, in the same genre as well um okay so i'm not i'm not a big horror comedy guy but if i had to make a list of the ones that i actually liked um i'd go with uh, uh one dead alive the best peter jackson film two <laughs> killer clowns from outer space which you know one year inexplicably had a theme haunted house during halloween horror nights at universal orlando that is a little odd. Yeah, really odd. But it was an amazing house. It it had a lot of the, the same sets from the film. I mean, I guess I'd take it back. It's not that odd because I go to a lot of haunted houses and there's almost always a clown one or a circus one. True. But Horror Nights is kind of just a giant advertisement for future horror films for uh, Universal properties. And this movie didn't get a re-release or anything. No, but I heard that they are working on a sequel or a sequel has been greenlit. Wow. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, I'm not doing the research. I just, I heard, (laughs) I heard that from somebody else. And, uh, oh, and number three would be Blood Diner. That would be my top three horror comedies of all time. I've never really thought about that. It's not a genre that I love, but I would insert Evil Dead 2 onto your list. Yeah. I like Evil Dead more as a serious thing. Oh, me too. Like, I prefer the first one, but I think the second one is brilliant as a comedy. 
Like, I guess that was pretty groundbreaking at the time. Like, hey, let's make a sequel to a horror film, but it's funny. Yeah, I mean, I think the first one has elements of comedy too, but anyway. Uh, well, I would say if you like, you know, any of those three films I just mentioned and ones that are nowhere near as good as those three films I mentioned, this film, if you haven't already seen it, will be right down your alley. I, what did you, um, so if you have not seen this film, uh, the the story idea is that there's a haunted television set and zombies come out of it and kill people. Regardless of what you think of the movie, do you think that's a cool idea? Oh, yeah. This premise is one of the best things about the film. You know, we, we just brought up The Ring. One of the reasons The Ring holds such a special place in my heart is because of that cursed VHS setup. And I feel like this... Um, this movie has the same, like the same, uh, the same aura. Although the ring is definitely much more sinister. And there's, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways in which this movie, I, I, we can argue whether it's successful, but kind of attempts to redefine the zombie tropes. Like there are cool things that this movie comes up with, which we'll get to when we're in the plot, but. I overall, I really like this idea. I'd also say, so I'm stepping on my own toes a little bit when I get to my review. But one of the things I love about this movie is it's not it's not shot on video. I think it's probably shot on 16 millimeter. Like it looks really professional. But by the same token, it's kind of like Phantasm, where it really feels like a group of friends got together, worked on weekends and shot the best horror movie they could or the best horror comedy they could. And that's a different experience to me than watching a, a quote unquote regular movie. It's almost like I'm watching a community theater telling me a story or I'm watching friends goofing off like it's almost a different medium to me than normal films are and by that like by that measure i think this movie is really fun but i think you have to approach it as that as like a really low budget almost shot on video like effort among friends i probably should have had that approach before i watched it for the first time <laughs> I mean, I certainly didn't the first time I saw it, um, but I, I do remember liking it as a kid. Do you remember when um, when we tried making horror movies in high school? I do. Yeah, so Leland and I, I think it was for, for a school project. Like, we yes. were supposed to make a Shakespeare adaptation or something, and we were like, let's just make a zombie movie instead. And Wasn't it like zombie Shakespeare? I think we were do, like lifting lines from Macbeth that involved the witches, but instead we were having zombies. Yeah. And I remember I had Leland playing a victim and he was lying on the ground, like squirting a bottle of our fake blood concoction into the air. But it was like sticky and gross and the insects were after you, I think. Yeah. Well, it's Florida. What do you expect? Right. But 
anyway, it you know, for eighty thousand dollars, and maybe we could have done something like this. I I, I doubt it, but I, mean, I like. I, uh, all right, like spoiler. I'm not too crazy about this film, but I I think they definitely get four stars for effort. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Like, you know, I like thinking about you know if I had eighty thousand dollars to make a movie. Like, how would I go about it? And what kinds of things would I have in in it? And would I really be... Like, I don't think any of these people, except maybe the director, had, like, ambitions for Hollywood. I, I think they were just trying to have a fun time. At least that's the sense I get from the movie. But I think that's um, that's plenty to say about it before we get into the story. So let's play the trailer, and then we'll run through the plot. Hidden inside the house at 21 Shady Lane Avenue is a black and white TV with the power to turn itself on and come alive with the dead, the video dead. But for the new owners, their first warning may be too late. Why did you kill her? You don't know what you're messing with. Dead, a new form and shape for zombie terror that invades a neighborhood and threatens the innocent, the unsuspecting, and the unbelieving. Nothing can prepare you. Nothing can save you. Nothing can stop the onslaught of the video dead. It's the late show to end them all. Look what's buried inside your TV. The video dead. So originally they wanted to call this movie Creepers. But that was already taken because Dario Argento's movie Phenomena got released in the United States as Creepers. Um, so they went with the video dead. I think that's a way better title. Do you? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think the video dead's an awesome title. But as the credits start, we get to hear the, the musical score, sort of the theme for the film. What did you think of the music? The opening theme with like the, uh, the harpsichord? That was pretty cool. Yeah, I think the music is great in this movie. I think it's one of the most professional aspects of it. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I, I, it's obvious that the production staff loved 80s horror, like they're the horror genre in general, because they hit a lot of the same notes that a lot of the classics um, you know, are known for. Right. I mean, there's a scene where they explicitly discuss Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So... It, it's clear that they're trying to pay homage to some horror movies. So we start at the beginning with these delivery guys delivering a package to a house. And this is like a heavy wooden crate. It's not, it's not like a cardboard package you'd get in the mail. And the guy who 
opens the door, this is the Michael St. Michael's guy. He's like, I didn't order a TV. Uh, but before that, we see that when he wakes up, he has a dead goldfish next to the bed. Like, I, I thought only, that was really funny. I can only imagine they went to uh, some local pet store and were like, hey, do you have any dead goldfish? It, it, that's a good point. I didn't think about, like, how did this fish happen to be dead? You didn't wonder if they, like, <laughs> ethically sourced their dead goldfish for the film? I didn't, but now that you've brought it up, I, I like thinking about it. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. And then I thought it was really funny that he asks the delivery guy for a cigarette. This guy's definitely a deadbeat. Yeah, but he's a he's a writer supposedly, and we see him typing on a, a typewriter, and apparently this is the same typewriter that the film script was written on. I didn't realize this guy was supposed to be a writer until later establishing dialogue. I thought this guy was just some nutcase with a typewriter in his kitchen. Hey, I mean, I don't know if it matters to the plot that he's a writer, but he says he hasn't ordered anything but pizza in the last six months, so this must be a mistake. But the guys are like, it's already been paid for, and so they drop it off, and there's a TV inside. He's like, who the hell would send me a TV? I don't even watch TV. This is like a 60s television, by the way. Yeah, it looks, I mean, it looks old. Even in this movie from the 80s, it's like all dusty and shit and looks, it, it's the kind of TV with like the um, the faux wood paneling around this at, at the outside. But it comes on by itself and it seems to only play one thing, which is this black and white movie called Zombie Blood Nightmare. I thought the movie that was playing on the TV looked awesome. Like, I want to see that movie. That seems like something we would cover in an episode. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the music in it and the the look is... I don't know. I don't know why it's so entrancing, but like, I really wanted to see that. But he tries to turn it off and it won't go off. It keeps turning back on. So he finally unplugs it and goes to bed. But during the night, it comes back on and we see zombies walking through a forest and there's lots of fog. What did you think of the look of the zombies? All of them were pretty top tier. I mean, again, especially for the budget except for blue david bowie who makes an appearance later in the film i thought he was pretty lame i'm glad you called him that because that's how i refer to him in my notes is <laughs> as as zombie david bowie um he does look a lot like david bowie his his skin tone is like that of a smurf <laughs> well did you read um there's a thing on imdb about how they came up with a backstory for all of the zombies oh that doesn't surprise me so they, they came up with a backstory for each one, and his backstory was that he drowned, and that's why he's blue. Yeah, that's not what happens when you drown. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's what they're going for. <laughs> yeah, you get, like, all, you get, like, bloated and, and pale and dark in the wrong places. <laughs> so the... Um, the backstories were there's the bride was a woman who was murdered on her wedding day. The guy we're calling David Bowie was Jimmy D. He was a 1950s athlete who drowned. 
it's obvious he was once handsome and girls loved him as he tries to repeatedly want affection from April and Zoe. Uh, Jack was a man who died in a fiery car crash, which is why he's burnt and has an arm missing. And Ironhead, the guy who gets the iron shoved into his head, was a serial killer who strangled people. Well, that explains a later scene. Yeah, so I think that's a really cool idea, though, to come up with these backgrounds for the zombies and then just tell the actors so they could, like, integrate that into their performance or the makeup or whatever. Like, I like that idea, and I like how unique each of these zombies is. Like, usually in zombie movies, there's, you know, dozens and dozens of them, and they all look identical, and... Um, there, there's no like attachment to any of them, but in this film, there's six and they all look like distinct characters. I, I think that's cool. Anyway, the, the zombies start to come out of the TV, like the TV falls on its side and smoke billows out. And then the zombies start crawling through the top. I think this is an, like, it's obvious how they did it, but I think it's an awesome special effect. During this scene, I was trying to figure out if it was a false floor. Like, did they place the TV on a table or something to hide the actor? And they probably did all that, but it looked so good, it didn't matter. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how they did it. But yeah, it looks awesome. And it's a really easy special effect to master. And yet the payoff is is so worth it. So we see the zombies coming out of the TV and like shuffling through the house and then it switches to the next day and the delivery people are back because of course they mixed up the delivery order and this TV was originally supposed to go to the Institute for the Studies of the Occult. So no one answers the door but the door swings open and uh, Michael St. Michaels is sitting there dead with like a party hat on and a cigarette in his mouth like why why do you think he has this look you know i didn't really question it at the time because i thought the movie would explain it later but it doesn't now i realize they don't no yeah the, the zombies... I mean, this isn't this isn't the first thing they don't they don't uh, explain but no there's yeah. quite a bit of that but i thought there was two things really funny about this one it the the party makeup was weird because it never comes up again. Um, and he has a cigarette in his mouth, but the day before he was asking the delivery guy for cigarettes. So he must have had some somewhere. Well, hey, maybe Jack had one on him. Oh, yeah, maybe. Then it says three months later. And the house has been sold and new people are moving in. This is a remarkable turnaround. Like for a house going on the market getting purchased and and move in all right so you pay a biohazard team about what 15 2000 to clean up uh mr jordan <laughs> i mean and then you uh you just try to sell the house to someone out of town who doesn't uh, follow local news and know someone was murdered there or hey sometimes the murder makes the house more um appreciable to certain audiences well these people buy it sight unseen because they're in saudi arabia and yeah so th their kids are going to come set up for them what's up with saudi arabia like were their parents like weapons contractors i don't know maybe they were like college professors doing a sabbatical or 
Okay, so this movie came out in 1987. What was going on in 1987? Well, nothing nothing friendly with the Middle East in general, but we've always been allied with Saudi Arabia. Hmm. I feel like there's just like some kind of like political joke in here that we're missing. Uh, I don't know, but I didn't see the comedy in the movie the way you did. So hmm. um, I, it just seemed random to me. What? So let me ask you a logistical question. In these three months that have passed, have all the video dead just been hanging out in the woods? Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Uh, like, that's not really clear, but it seems to be the case that they've just been in the woods around the house all this time. They they did not go back in the TV. I, I have expected these zombies to cause way more mayhem. Like, by the end of the film, at some point... You know, they'd be like, wow, it, the, the terror, it's finally over. And then they'd go outside and they realize these zombies like trash the rest of the neighborhood. Yeah, no, this is on a really small scale, which I kind of like, but I imagine it was necessary for budget reasons. Hey, they went on a three month camping trip. Yeah. So we meet a girl, Zoe. She's taking a taxi and she says it's her house, but she's never been there before because her parents bought it sight unseen. Uh, she's, I guess, college aged because they talk about her majoring, <laughs> right? Like, which we're going to get to. Um, but she's unpacking and we see a pair of legs like walking towards the house, dragging one foot. And obviously, we're supposed to think this is a zombie because it's walking like really shuffling. But you know it isn't. No, this is actually Jeff, her younger brother, who is the actor was 16. And I assumed he was supposed to be a teenager, but he's not in school, which is kind of weird. Isn't it like summer vacay or something? Well, that's what I thought initially. But later he meets this girl, April, who is oh, at she's school in classes. Yeah. Hmm. Unless she's a college student and like classes just happen to be in session. Hmm. I don't like so many things in this film. It's unclear. Yeah. I don't think about it too much. But Jeff asks, uh, Jeff asks Zoe what she's majoring in. And she says she's majoring in aerobics. I think this is the best joke in the entire film. And he's like, you can't major in aerobics. What's your minor? And it's music videos. Yeah, it you know, it's all downhill from here for the humor. I, I think this is the height, the height of comedy for the video dead. But uh <laughs> hey man, you know, an aerobics major might be better in, in today's economy than like a bachelor's in <laughs> in like psych or sociology, right? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I... I don't know that you need a college degree. Like you would get a certificate or something, right? It wouldn't be like a, a bachelor's mm -hmm. degree. Okay. Okay. Like completely serious. Um, you could probably get like a physical therapy like degree, maybe yeah. in research and you specialize in aerobics <laughs> or some but kind it, of aerobic exercise. It definitely dates the movie, right? Like this is clearly the eighties. What did you think of these two performances? Like, did you like these actors? Uh, I mean, the quality matches the rest of the film. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that 
I they're they're not doing anything special, but I don't think they're bad. And their characters are really likable to me. Like uh, that's another thing I like about this movie is sometimes in movies I just really genuinely like the characters and I'm happy to like hang out with them. Like Phantasm is the the top movie like that for me. But I I really like these characters. I'm not sure why. So this is guy Zoe likable. What is Zoe likable? She's likable so. at first, but then when shit starts to hit the fan, she just uh, kind of just freaks out the whole time. I, you know what? That's that's not a problem with Zoe. That's a problem with the uh, chauvinist pig writer who uh, shoehorns women into buckling under stress. I don't know. She saves the day at the end. Kinda. All right. Let's. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> So while while they're unpacking, this guy shows up at the door and we know he's from Texas because he's wearing a cowboy hat and and he says he's from Texas. But his name is Joshua Daniels and he's looking for the TV. And at this point, like they've just moved in, so they don't know anything about a TV. And Jeff says, you know, we just moved in. And he says, it looks like an ordinary TV set, but it isn't. And more lives will be lost if it's not found. And then Jeff says, I forgot to brush my teeth, so I got to go. And Josh, Joshua calls him a damn fool. <laughs> <laughs> he, with that Texas accent, too. Like, you damn fool. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this guy really has that accent or is it fake? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, this guy's kind of like, what kind of self-respecting Texan brings an arsenal to a zombie fight with zero firearms? Yeah, we're going to get to that. All uh, right. I did think his choice of weaponry was odd, but it, I do not find this character likable. I'm not sure I'm supposed to. Like, I think no. he's supposed to come across as kind of an ass, but... Um, but at least he's trying to do the right thing by finding the television. Yeah, true. He, he says at one point, like, you can't run away from this. You've got to confront it. But we see glimpses of the TV sitting in the attic, like, or the basement. I'm not sure which it is. Uh, looking really ominous. And there's a woman on the TV and she's saying, I want you. Je talking to Jeff. I want you to come into the attic with me. And so Jeff hears this and goes up um, to the attic, but the TV is off at that point, but he brings it downstairs, right? And so this is the entry of the TV into the world. Meanwhile, we see a girl. This is April. She is walking her dog, Chocolate. And when she introduces herself, I think this is what she says she says, my name is April, like the smell they put on Kleenex. Did you catch that? I'm about to pull it up because I don't remember that. It's odd. It was an odd scene. So, yeah, see if I got it right. Hold on. This movie has some of those weird, like, movie siblings moments where they're, like, way more touchy-feely than siblings in real life. <laughs> I don't know. I think some siblings are like that. It's weird, but I think some are.
excited to hear you coming. I'm your new neighbor. Welcome to Shady Lane. Oh, thanks. I'm Jeff. Jeff Blair. I'm April. Don't you hate it? Sounds like the smell they put on Kleenex. I was just about to get them to drink. You want to come in? All right. Do you mind if I take the dog in? Yeah, sure. I should add that I hate the music in that scene. That song is terrible. That is definitely a genuine Video Dead original song. Oh, for sure. It is in the credits. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, she says her name is like the smell they put on Kleenex. Yeah, but she says it with, you know, disdain. She's not She's not happy with that. Yeah, but what is this? April? April's a smell? Maybe the 80s had like a scented kleenex fad i don't know anyway she is she has this dog chocolate and she says i love animals but i don't count poodles as animals which the dog is a poodle and jeff's like oh i hate poodles too not many people like poodles no they're really smart though they're like smart dogs i mean they didn't choose to look like that but they do yeah, well, Chocolate slips out the front door and runs away. And we see one of the zombies get it. He, like, picks it up and, and twists its neck. Yeah, you know that dog ain't making it as soon as you see it. Yeah, exactly. And so they they go looking for him. Jeff and April go looking for Chocolate. And I I really like the way they call for it. Like, it's not Chocolate, it's Chocolate! Right. Did you think this was funny? I think it's because the dog might have belonged to the family maid who was French. And won't. Oh, Chocolate. no, because she says she's walking it for a friend or, or for a couple who worship it. Uh. She's like, it's not my dog. I'm just walking it for this couple that lives down the road. And she says that they're obsessed with the dog, that they worship it. And Jeff's like, why are you worried? Like, it'll come back. And then she says, You don't understand. He likes to chase skunks in the woods. And when he finds them, he tries to mate with them. Only skunks don't like to mate with poodles. So they spray him, and then he really gets turned on. (laughs) I think that's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. It got a groan from me. (laughs) That's, That's my favorite line in the movie. So they go looking for chocolate and out of the blue, April's like, don't you find it creepy that you're living in the murder house? So they have a brief exchange about Mr. Jordan being murdered in the house. But then the conversation goes right back to the dog. So it's just like a weird aside. They find uh, chocolate dead, but I thought it was weird that the zombie just killed him. Like the zombies don't try to eat people. No, there's there's no contagion to spread. There's no flesh eating. Well, except for at the very end. But we'll okay. get to that. Yeah. Yeah. But they're um, not eating people. Right. No, it, it, it doesn't seem like they are. So they find chocolate dead. But yeah, he's not eaten. And do you think that's for budget reasons or were they actually trying to do something different? I don't know. It both. Because there's there's so many peculiarities to the zombies in this movie, like so many things that make them different from zombies in other movies, I feel like they might have just wanted to come up with their own mythology. Because they, they, they did have a sequel planned. 
Well, and the makeup was obviously not an issue. Like all of the makeup looks great. So they could have made like a, they could have had the zombies eating people. Hmm. So they, they come up with a story that Jeff says she should tell the, the dog owners that somebody threw a ball to it and chocolate swallowed the ball and they can push the ball down the dog's throat so that the owners will buy the story i thought this was pretty funny i feel like this is based on a real life story someone actually did this oh uh, that's a good point it totally could although making this movie could kind of blow your story right (laughs) i mean maybe if it was a long time ago yeah so April calls him or he calls her later that night and she says that his story totally worked. They bought it, um, but she told them it was Jeff who threw the ball. And she's like, I don't think they'll press charges. And he's like, press charges? And she says she's going to make it up to him. And he's like, come over right now. And she says, <laughs> she, she says she can't. And then out of nowhere, she again says, my dad is sleeping with the maid. It's gross. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I really like these characters in this view of like suburbia, I guess. I don't know why. I just, I really enjoy them. She doesn't even apologize about throwing them under the bus. Well, she says she'll make it up to him, whatever that means. That's not an apology. (laughs) No. Well, version. Jeff hooks up the TV and he sees that there's only one channel, the same zombie movie that was playing before. And he rolls a joint and is going to start smoking. But then this woman on TV starts to talk to him like it switches to a, another channel with a woman. And she materializes like out of the TV and drops her robe. So this like naked woman starts making out with Jeff. Who is 16. Yeah, who's 16. And she's saying, I've been waiting so long for this moment. A long, long time. Yeah, I thought this was really weird. You know, the last film, it was implied. She's showing it on camera here. Well, they're also suggesting, like, I guess this suggests that there are other channels on the TV with, like, other things going on, because she doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the story, and we never find out anything more about her. She is, like, a horror in disguise, though. She's what? She's like a horror in disguise. Yeah, well, I guess. But she zaps back into the TV and is laughing hysterically. And then this is possibly the weirdest moment in the movie, I think. This guy walks up behind her and cuts her throat. And he tells Jeff, you don't know what you're messing with. To leave it alone. He says, they look just like you and I, but inside they're different. They have no soul. And Jeff's like, who are you? And he says, they call me the garbage man. I dispose of human garbage. Camera pans to the girl on the floor, and she is now a uh, weird zombie horror. Yeah, and he says that Jeff is in danger, um, that there's been an escape, and they're very dangerous, so be careful. 
He says to lock the TV in the basement and get a mirror and put it in front of the screen. What did you think of this? First, what did you think of this garbage man character? I wanted the whole movie to be about the garbage man. Yeah, I would totally watch a movie about the garbage man. I'm, I'm sad that, sorry, spoilers, he never comes back. Maybe he was going to be a key element in the sequel. Perhaps. I mean, they would definitely need some kind of tour guide in, in the TV verse to survive. And it seems like the the writer was thinking like really about world building here somehow. I mean, he had this backstory for all of the zombies, right? He probably also had in mind like what a side story would be involving this garbage man or what was going on with the girl that was seducing Jeff. Uh, but those just did not get developed within the plot line. But it leaves it feeling like unresolved tangents. Okay, so I think it's one of two things. Either one, the fact that this film was produced in like the, you know, the course of a year, I would find it hard to believe the script didn't change multiple times in order to fit some like budget or um, scheduling plan that had to be done. That makes sense. Or two, this entire scene is one of the extra things that was included as an afterthought to bump up the gore. Ah, uh, that's a good point. I don't know, but this is where... I, no, I think this scene had to be in it originally because this is where Jeff finds out he needs to put a mirror in front of it. Yeah, but couldn't they have just added that too? I guess. Well, may, maybe not. Either way, the, the bottom line is we wanted more Garbage Man. Yeah, so... We were denied Garbage Man. Jeff flushes his weed down the toilet, including the baggie. Oh, what's he the just, bag, man? What's that? Fucking teenagers, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, although that did not look like, like good weed. It looked, um, I don't know, it looked kind of like oregano or something. Dude, they only had an 80K budget. <laughs> yeah. But so he thinks it's like a weed hallucination. But when he wakes up the next day, the woman's robe is still on the floor. So he does what the garbage man said to do. He puts it in the basement and he tapes a, a mirror to the front of it. Um, but as he's doing this, it's already beginning to smoke and zombie hands reach out and try to pull him in. Conveniently, there's a hatchet nearby. So he cuts the zombie hand off and he puts it in like a brown paper bag. You mean he's... your attic doesn't have a hatchet? No. No, every attic needs a hatchet. It's it's very conveniently placed, which is good. I mean, if maybe the prior, well, no, I was going to say the Michael St. Michael's character definitely didn't do anything useful. <laughs> so he puts the the zombie hand in a bag, and it's still moving. He he could have showed it to somebody at this point, like. Your sister is in the house. She'll believe you if you show her the moving hand. But instead, he puts it down the garbage disposal. I just want to mention this sink looks like a biohazard site. I realize this is two teenagers. They've been living in, but they've only been living in the house like a day, a day and a half. Yeah, this um, this scene was the grossest thing in the entire movie to me. Oh, God. Yeah, there's like free floating food in 
in standing water. Yeah, like I cannot deal with stuff in the sink. Like it really grosses me out. My wife will leave dishes in the sink for like two days if I don't clean them up and I can't take it. Like as soon as I'm finished cooking or eating, everything gets cleaned and like put away as I go. So when I'm done cooking, the kitchen is spotless and the sink with the floating food particles really grossed me out. (laughs) Apologies to any listeners who like have food floating in their sink. Like nothing against (laughs) you. I just, I just cannot deal with it. Content warning. (laughs) Free flowing food and sink. (laughs) Hey, I, I have OCD. It's not you. It's me. It's my, Uh, my hang up, but this scene grossed me out. But I really liked this. His sister confronts him and tells him he's acting really strange. Like, he's up really early. The mirror is missing. Um, He's talking weird. And he says, that's just the way I am. I'm a strange person. That really made me laugh, too. There's a bunch of zombies approaching April's house. And... Again, I guess these zombies have just been in the woods, like walking around for three months. Uh, But this is where we start to see the different zombies with the different looks. So there's a bride zombie. She's like trying on wigs. um, But then when she looks in the mirror, she's horrified and she covers her face. And then there's the blue David Bowie zombie. There's one zombie that has a burned face. There's one zombie that I refer to as the businessman because he has like a suit on. But we see the zombies sitting down at the table to like eat cereal. And the bride zombie is turning a blender on and off. And they all start to laugh about this. I really liked the fact that the zombies like had a sense of humor and laughed at things. It is established at some point. I think by the Texan later on that these zombies don't realize they're dead. Right. <clears throat> Yet they're um, still kind of amazed by things like blenders. Um, well, they could have died before blenders were invented. Yeah, I suppose so. Wedding dresses did come out before blenders, probably. But I just, I, I don't think I've seen another movie where the zombies like have a sense of humor. And I thought that was really cool. That was a really cool twist. Um, okay. You know, what we, we mentioned on a previous episode of, of the, or you asked on a previous episode of the podcast about films where zombies use tools. This yeah. was your example, right? Oh, no. I said that they, I might have brought this up, but they also do it in City of the, Li- not City of the Living Dead, Nightmare City. Um, in Nightmare City, the zombies use guns and shit. Yeah. So um, I still can't really think of any other movies I've seen where zombies use tools. I can think of video games. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of also one of the later George Romero zombie films. One of the last ones to actually make it to theaters had zombies who had been around for a while start to emulate what they were doing before undeath like um you know gas station attendant trying to work a pump even though they don't quite understand how it works Um, yeah i never i never saw those later ones 
There was one, one, it was the last one that came out in theaters, as far as I know. They had Dennis Hopper in it. I saw that one in theaters because I was dragged to it. That was Land of the Dead, maybe? Yes. Anyway, all right. So they attack April's maid, and this is where she jams an iron into one of its head. Like the, the, I think this is the serial killer zombie. She jams an iron into his head, and it's just sticking out the top. I thought this looked really funny. Yeah. I mean, she has the the stamina of a warrior because she is in chokehold position for over two minutes. I know the whole time. Apparently, this actress actually like had injuries, like neck injuries, because she was being held up so long. So they actually held her up. Yeah. Why wouldn't they just put a crate under her? Yeah, it says on IMDb that she had neck injuries. Oh, wolf. I guess don't get for an 80k budget. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's authentic authenticity. Like, I mean, I can, you know, they're not affording a, you know, actor insurance on that budget. No, so we don't see it, but they seem to kill April's dad uh, because they come into his room and then we hear him screaming from out in the street. And the zombies, I guess, they're just going around to like different houses and messing with people, right? That's the impression. Because they're in another house where the bride zombie pops out of a washing machine and strangles a woman. And before that, we see the woman like trying to follow a radio recipe for coconut brownies or something. What makes this movie above average to me is that the, there are moments like this that just make it feel like reality, right? Like, like a zombie popping out of a washing machine? No, not not that, but like the woman trying to follow a recipe on the radio and gets confused about how to do it. Like in a lesser movie, they wouldn't have that scene because it's not essential to the plot. Who follows a recipe on the radio? I think, well, the, uh, I hear um, recipe shows on the radio, like on Sundays during the day where like no, no one's listening <laughs> or maybe like housewives are listening, but uh, they definitely do this. I guess this is just a world that I've not been introduced to. It's not that different than like uh, cook along shows on TV. Well, in her case, the show ended about a quarter of the way through the recipe. Yeah. So she never finds out what to do. No, no. But the, the bride zombie and the businessman zombie put the woman in the washing machine and make her spin around. And they keep laughing about this too. Uh, and we see her blood draining out of the, like the waste hose. Yeah. What washing machine is a waste hose that drains into a sink? Uh, I think a lot of, um, a lot of them, especially in older, like Northern houses do. Hmm. I think it's, it's an issue of if your house was connected to plumbing, like if it had the right the right plumbing work done in the time that washing machines became available, right? Like if your building is older than that, it may not be set up unless you want to spend a bunch of money. That makes but I've, def- but- I've definitely been in houses that have this. So then this is either a house that... The dishwasher is the same way. It drains right out into the kitchen sink or uh, they just don't have one. Oh, totally possible. When I lived up up north, I did not have a dishwasher. Man, wow. That was an exciting conversation. This is definitely becoming like a a, a how to adult podcast. 
we were talking about um <laughs> like cleaning your sink earlier on. Hey, lessons from the video dead. It the other thing that got me about the zombies, in addition to their sense of humor, is they're like super strong. We see the bride twist the husband's head around like 360 degrees pretty effortlessly. It was a cool camera trick. Yeah, so the police are called and Jeff hears the sirens and immediately he runs to check on April. Like they just met the night before. I thought this was kind of surprising, but suddenly it's nighttime. Hey, like love is not rational. Did a whole day pass and I just missed it? Like mm. I thought it was morning, but now it's night. I didn't really pay attention that closely to the time of day. And so Jeff tells April that she might as well come home with him because it's going to take the police a long time to figure out what happened. And so she kind of just moves in with them. Score. Yeah, like I think that if she is a minor, which I think she is because I think she's in high school, would you be taken into custody or would you just be let loose to stay at a friend's house? So the first thing that would um, happen is law enforcement would try to contact the closest relative. And if the closest relative could not pick them up, they would try to find a family friend. And he's a friend of the family, right? All right. Yeah, that's good enough for me. (laughs) So the Texas guy shows back up, Joshua, and he says, I hope you're going to ask me in because I'm the only hope you've got. And so he explains the, the backstory to us. The TV doesn't kill anyone. It's what comes out of the TV. He says you can't destroy it. It sneaks into your brain and plays tricks. The best I could do is package it up and send it on. So this kind of gives us a explanation for why no one has just tried to destroy the TV. And I thought this was really bizarre we while he's there we see april brushing her teeth and she's thinking about her dad (laughs) and like violently brushing her teeth and making her gums bleed no man this is why you always get those uh, soft bristle oral bees oh she spits like a mouthful of blood into the sink no it's you gotta take better care of your teeth like you know just remember kids uh Dental insurance doesn't come standard in capitalist society because most jobs don't require functional workers to have teeth. Yeah, I guess everyone has like a stress outlet. You can abuse your teeth if, if that's your your thing, I guess. <laughs> one, one upping biting your nails, huh? Uh, yeah, well, I'm guilty of that. But the David Zo- uh, the David Bowie zombie shows up and she faints. And oh he my god, this zombie, the door her. is locked and all he does is just jiggle it open like that thing was secured with something from, from Amazon Basics. I Well, I told you, they're super strong. That that bride twisted that guy's head around. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that for now. Yeah, they just have super strength. So Jeff wants to go rescue her but the Texas guy says, you can't go out there because then you won't be able to help me. You'll be dead. Um, like, so they, they're right there in the yard. And they I know. Right. <laughs> they they could have. And, and there's not a lot of zombies. There's only six. 
they could definitely could have rescued her. They could have done something. Yeah. You know what? This reminded me of the the scene in Dr. Butcher where the cannibals pick up the one girlfriend and start to cart her into the woods. And the two dudes with guns just kind of like watch it happen. Like, yo, at least fire a shot off. Yeah. No, they they let her be carried off pretty casually. And instead, Joshua tells them to collect mirrors. And he tells us that it's because the dead can't stand to look at themselves that they don't know they're dead. And if they see that they're dead, then this upsets them. He also says that when a living person shows fear, it reminds them that they're different. And that's what makes them want to kill. That if they don't show, if people don't show fear and just treat them like normal people, that it'll be okay. Yes, the power of love will prevail. What did you think uh, about this this mythos? That's cool. I especially just like how they glued a mirror or taped a duct taped a mirror on the TV to keep anything else from coming out. I thought it was a pretty cool, like occult touch. Yeah, I I think this is a cool idea. Like uh, uh, the idea that as a zombie, you're not aware you're dead and you're just trying to like live out life and anything that reminds you of being dead is so painful that you lash out. And so you're not killing people because you want to eat them. You're killing people because you're like miserable and regretful and bitter about being dead. I think this is a really cool idea. I can't imagine this is the only film that does this sort of thing, but it is very distinctive. I can't think of another one. The only other film I think that really humanizes zombies this way are the films in the Return of the Living Dead series where we find out that zombies eat humans because it dulls the pain that they feel. Like they always feel pain and that's the only thing that helps. Um, I think that's a really cool mythos too. Hmm. So Joshua tells us that there's two ways to kill the zombies either trap them in a place where they can't escape and they'll go crazy and eat themselves or if you trick them into thinking they're alive and kill them with a gun or a knife or something it will trick them into thinking they're actually dead what do you think of this I was really hoping that they wouldn't use like the power of love to like distract the zombies at some point, but that's the climax. Do you think, I mean, I wouldn't call it the power of love, like, you know, f- the power of friendship. Well, the zombie, it, it, I don't even think of it like that. I think of it as at the end, she's trying to fool the zombies into thinking they're alive, that they're just normal people and she's not scared of them. I think this is like the last solution any rational person would have came up with. I don't know. I like it. I like it as an idea. (laughs) Eh. I don't think of it as the power of love or like overwhelming goodness or something. I think of it as fooling the zombies into thinking they're alive. 
and that you're not scared of them. And then they won't be scared of you. But they already well, think they're alive. What's that? They already think they're alive. Until they see like a mirror or they see someone acting scared. Hmm. And then that reminds them that they're dead. Hey, if these guys are so super strong, why couldn't they just like, I don't know, break down the basement door? It has a mirror on it. Yeah, you don't have to look at it. Uh, they're, they're not that smart. Hmm. Smart enough to use a stick to knock off mirrors. <laughs> well, we see um, <laughs> we see Zoe is having a dream and she sees the David Bowie zombie eating a hand and then she realizes that her own hand is gone. I liked that. I thought it was a really cool scene. Obviously a dream, though. Yeah, and... um when she's awake like she wants to call the police and she's worried about jeff and joshua going out after the zombies and jeff's like you're making a big deal out of nothing like acting like it's it's no big deal i'm okay like logistically these zombies should be pushovers they move at a snail's pace and they don't use ranged weaponry well also like when they're when they're actually at the house, which they are several times, you could call the police then. Like, they have a conversation about how the police will laugh at them, won't believe them. But if the zombies are there, they will. Well, you would just say, help police, someone is breaking into my house, and just not mention they're zombies. Yeah, exactly. It's all the officers on scene. No, the, Joshua thinks it's hysterical. <laughs> Joshua thinks it's hysterical that they think they can call the police. Well, I mean, he's like 16. Oh, wait, no, wait, Joshua's the... There, Mike. Um, so Jeff and Joshua go hunting for April, and Jeff asks Joshua if everyone in Texas wears a hat like that. And he's like, what's wrong with my hat? And then it, it, it doesn't go anywhere, but it's developing that there's like an animosity between these two. And we see that Jeff is carrying a bow and arrow. And yeah, like, Why? Why a bow and arrow? Why not a gun? 80k budget? You can afford a gun. <laughs> I know, like, actually, a, like, a decent gun is probably cheaper than a high-end bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah, America. And, like, have you ever shot a bow and arrow? Uh, not, like, a big fancy one. Like, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to It's hard to pull that. Like, it requires strength. And, yeah, uh, no, it's a skill. You have to actually be good at it. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff doesn't look too strong. Like, I don't know that he could do it. Uh, but at some point, Joshua, like, walks up behind Jeff and scares him. Um, Jeff just says that he snuck up on him. And he says, if you ever sneak up on me again, you know what's going to happen to you? Death and destruction. Death and destruction. Yeah, I, th I really like Jeff. Like, again, I don't know that this is a good performance. I imagine this is just how he is in real life. But I think he's really likable. <laughs> uh. So they have this argument that Joshua keeps calling Jeff boy. And Jeff is like, don't call me boy. And he says, if you do, I'm going to call you cow shit. And so they agree to just call each other by their proper names. I thought that was kind of weird. Character development. Mm, sure. But apparently there's an old shack in the forest somewhere, and that's where they're going. I'm not sure why. 
They don't have a conversation about why they're going to go there, but they do. Well, first it starts off as a, a hunt for April, and then it's suddenly like, yeah, you know, forget it. we're just going to set a trap. Well, I think, I think Jeff wants to find April, and Joshua is basically like, April's dead. Like, we just need to kill the zombies. Well, you know, she wouldn't be dead if you just went outside and got her back. All right. But no, they they let her be taken. It, Jeff keeps trying to call her, and Joshua tells him to be quiet, that they don't want the zombies to find them before they're ready for him. But Jeff goes to take a leak, and he sees one of the zombies coming their way uh, and grabs his bow and arrow. Um, and for the first couple shots, they go like off into trees, and he says, these arrows must be warped. And Joshua's like, no, you're warped. It was it the, was pretty dumb. The amazing thing about this scene is that they're actually pelting these zombies with arrows. These actors are wearing vests to protect themselves from the arrows as they plunge into their uh, chest. I didn't think about that, but it makes sense. I mean, he's clearly really shooting an arrow. Well, obviously... Although- off screen it's somebody who knows what they're doing yeah i was about to say i i he's shooting the bow and arrow but i don't think he's uh proficient enough okay like he's he's stringy but i think he has a lot of lean muscle like enough for a bow and arrow maybe but But still i think you need to have done it before i mean maybe he has i don't know but but clearly this that's one of those movie things where um there's absolutely no reason for him to be good at this skill at all. There's no backstory for it. You just have to accept it. Like Tron comes to mind where how is anybody from the real world good at that that frisbee discus game? Nobody has the skill set for that by default. Oh, you just learn it really quickly. Yeah, sure. Because this movie passes it off as if Jeff has never shot a bow and arrow before and it takes him like two clumsy tries and then he's a master at it. (laughs) Level up. (laughs) So, yeah, there is a learning curve. It's just a very fast one. At one point, they, they finally shoot the zombie and Joshua says, look at that stupid son of a bitch. He's not alive. He can't feel nothing, but he thinks he's dying. It... So again, this what jerk. This is like the the zombie is tricked into thinking he's dead, even though he can't actually die. Joshua takes out a chainsaw, like it's some kind of incredible reveal, like he's unwielding a uh, a weapon, but it's like a little tiny chainsaw. It's not intimidating at all. Hey, chainsaw's a chainsaw. Yeah, but it's like a little handheld one. It just it just seemed silly. And Jeff is very excited. He says that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is his all-time favorite movie. And he's seen it six times. So he's a master at using a chainsaw. And he does a pretty good job of sawing the zombie in half. And it looks awesome. There's like mice inside of the body crawling out. This, I is, this... The, this is the best special effects scene of the entire film. Yeah, it looks really cool. I mean, we don't see like a far away shot or anything where it would look like he's actually sawing a body in half, but we do see all these guts spilling out and, and mice crawling away. <laughs> Those rats were such a cool touch. Yeah. I mean, I, I just love to imagine like them inside of the body. 
they Joshua and Jeff hang bells from the trees because apparently bells ring when the dead are nearby. I thought this was really weird and dumb. It's because they didn't want to have to set up a bunch of trip wires. <laughs> yeah, but I, you didn't need this mythos at all, right? Like you, you could have just had the zombies show up. Mythos, technically. Yeah, I don't remember that part of "It's a Wonderful Life" either. No. <laughs> no. Hmm. Um, this whole plan is awful, though. Yeah. So Joshua, like, ties Jeff up in a tree as bait and Jeff says he'll only do it if Joshua gives him the chainsaw to defend himself and so Joshua does and then Joshua goes into the shed and he's going to shoot the zombies from the shed window when they show up Um, but inside he and and we see that April is dead um, that her dead body is in the shed did you think it was weird that they killed her off? the A lot of things near the end of this movie don't really make sense from like a a writing standpoint, except to just tie up loose ends. Yeah, that's true. But I was, I I mean, I don't remember the first time seeing this, but I'm always kind of surprised that April dies so early. Gosh, imagine hanging as dead weight on coarse rope and suddenly you think it's a great idea to just carry a 25 pound, maybe heavier chainsaw. Like, how are you going to hit anything with your feet dangling in the way? Yeah, it was. Um, and I mean, it doesn't work out very well, right? But no. it, it is a very clumsy setup. So as he's hanging there waiting for the zombies to come, this is where I thought, like, what do the zombies do all the time? Like, do they just hike around? Do they sleep? Because they're not, like, attacking people or trying to eat. They're, they just disappear into the woods. Yeah, they were gone for three months, man. Yeah, so what do you think? What do you think they do? Um, do you think they have like a little village? Like they built shelters for themselves? No, I mean, think about the movie they came from. They just sort of walked through the woods. Maybe uh, deep down, that's, that's all point. they really know. Yeah, that's a good point. That That's what they know to walk walk through woods. Cool, I like that idea. So after a while, the bells start to ring and we see the zombies start to come out of the woods and Jeff keeps calling for Joshua, but he's fallen asleep. So all the zombies are reaching up, trying to get Jeff and they, they're kind of smart for zombies. Like they get sticks to use. I'm not sure what they're going to do with them, but that's what they do. They grab sticks and try to like wave them at Jeff. Oh, what, what else do you do when you got a pinata in front of you? Ah, true. Yeah. And we know that they're not trying to eat anyone. Their motive is just to kill. So I guess they could beat him to death and be perfectly satisfied. (laughs) So he starts up the chainsaw and this seems to wake up Joshua and he starts to shoot the zombies with the bow and arrow. And it seems to be working. All the zombies fall except for the bride. And Jeff drops the chainsaw and she picks it up, swinging it at him. But Joshua gets rid of her using a mirror. She doesn't seem that scared of it, but she definitely doesn't want to look into it. And eventually she leaves, like carrying the chainsaw with her. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it was okay. So they aren't able to cut the bodies up because the bride took the chainsaw away. 
so eventually we know they're going to wake up because they're not actually dead. They just think they're dead. And the bride, they go looking for the bride and she actually tricks them. She puts the chainsaw on the ground so they'll come and get it. And then she uses the arrow that's sticking through her torso to impale Joshua. I thought that was pretty clever. So if the zombies only attack people who are afraid, do you think these two were afraid? Well, yes, but they're also like, it's not just that they're afraid. It's that the zombies want to be able to pretend like everything's normal. But these two guys are like trying to kill them. So they're riding high on like murder hormones. I don't know. I think it's just like, if only they had acted, you know, like the zombies were just out for a hike. It would have been fine. But they had to go carrying weapons. So the zombies were just acting in self-defense. But Jeff hides out in the shed, and that's when he sees April dead. And he doesn't seem that devastated by it. I mean, they did just meet. But still, I think I would be upset. I mean, he's... He's pretty sad. Yeah, and he's distracted because the bride shows up and he chops off her head with a machete, but she impales him with the chainsaw and Jeff dies. I was really shocked that he died. Because he's like our main character. Half expected him to come back as a zombie or something. Yeah. Nope. Were Were you upset when he died? No, just a little perplexed. I was a little upset. He I was disappointed. Like, he, like, he went out like King Arthur. <laughs> yeah. Mordred or whatever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, he, he was kind of our lead, but he's, he's gone. And all the zombies wake up. He, even the one that was cut in half is like walking along on his hands. And they return to the house to go after Zoe. Do you think they have some sort of attachment to the TV where they have to keep coming back to it? That's the only thing I can think of. But then did they show up at some point when the house was being shown (laughs) to to other people? Maybe. I don't know. You shouldn't be thinking about that hard, but... (laughs) It is a mystery why they come back to the house. But uh, Zoe is there and she could definitely call the police at this point. Like they're attacking the house and she's barricaded herself inside. But she remembers what Joshua said that the zombies want to kill when they sense fear. And so she tries to act normal. She opens the door and she says, nice to see you all. And she invites them in. She actually tries to call probably the police, but a zombie rips the phone line out of the wall outside the house. Oh, I forgot that. So she, but yeah, I I forgot about that. So she opens a can of chili or soup or something, but she tells them it's a recipe that's been in her family for generations. And they're all sitting at the table, including the bride who's like holding her severed head in her lap. I thought this was really funny. This reminds me of the scene in Dead Alive where they're all around the dinner table. Yeah, okay, I could see that. Maybe Peter Jackson got inspiration from this movie. I doubt it, but it's possible. She goes to get them drinks, and the David Bowie zombie like corners her in the pantry, 
and he sees a mirror um but she covers it up for him like she puts an apron over it so she's really trying to treat them nicely but she remembers that josh was said to trap them someplace and they'd eat themselves and the basement is right there and she sees the zombies looking at a magazine and there's a picture of people dancing and she's like oh dancing the best place for dancing is in the basement and so she convinces all of them to go down there with her and she takes out a record player to play the music but she says the records are upstairs and so she's going to go get one but then one of the zombies finds a record in the basement and they get suspicious and at that point she runs and slams the door and there's a mirror on the back of the back of it so they all like go back down the stairs and just they're trapped there i felt kind of sorry for him why they've caught they've caused so much destruction yeah but like you think you're gonna get to dance and listen to a cool record and instead you're trapped down there with no music like the one is holding the record sadly just like what am i gonna do i don't know plug it in and put the record on oh i i maybe they're not that coordinated like rigor mortis and stuff for that how are they supposed to dance i don't know but the the zombie with the iron in his head he starts to like bubble and inflate um, <laughs> like they've been trapped down there 20 seconds and he's had enough right it's like his body is going insane um but all the other zombies start to eat him um and this is this is where we see eating and it looks really cool uh one zombie is like eating the head of the bride zombie like munching on its neck yeah and it looks really good yeah again all the practical special effects they're really good so the tv starts to smoke and we don't see it but it seems like they all get sucked back in the tv and the only thing remaining is the iron on the floor i thought that was a really clever detail and the tv says the end so what did you think of the demise of the zombies it's pretty standard in horror films for the main characters to just constantly do the wrong thing Partly because the script would be a lot shorter if everyone did what they needed to do. So you need to build that tension, build that drama. Right. And and then there's times where, I mean, you can just justify, okay, they didn't, they didn't do the right thing because they're stressed out and most people aren't rational when they're stressed. Especially in a life or death situation involving, you know, cable TV zombies. But I didn't really like how this concluded. I felt like there was there was definitely way more rational ways to deal with this problem than any of these characters managed to do. I mean, this is what I was getting at earlier. I think all of the characters act irrationally, except for Zoe. She's the one who wants to call the police. She's the one who's like, we just need to stay in this house. And then at the end, she's the one that figures out to trick the zombies into the basement. I think she does pretty well yeah i suppose you're right i don't think she's like the standard you know stupid female character i mean she does like emotionally freak out a couple times but yeah i suppose who wouldn't in in a situation like this right you think your brother's been killed there's like your new adopted sister has been kidnapped um your parents are in saudi arabia (laughs) you know did they even find out that jeff died 
I don't know. It doesn't tell us, but we see a scene at the end where Zoe's parents show up to the hospital where I guess she's she's staying. Yes. Um, so Zoe, there's a time jump and Zoe has been admitted into a mental institution. Yeah, she seems like catatonic, right? She's not talking or anything. And the dad is saying, I just don't understand what could have happened. And the mom says, as long as it's not drugs, like this situation seems worse than drugs, but whatever. They agree that they just need to treat her as if she's well, that that's what the doctors recommend. Hey, that's exactly what the the treatment for the zombies be. I thought about that. I thought like ultimate irony. She is now being treated the way she treated the zombies. See, this movie has really complex themes. Like, <laughs> you, you need to give it the credence it deserves. Hmm. So they try to make small talk with her, but she doesn't say anything. But they say they have a surprise for her. And they bring in the TV, which they set up in the room. And at first, she doesn't seem to notice it or recognize it. But then the zombie movie comes on and the serial killer zombie is looking out at her from the screen and we hear her scream and then roll credits. What do you think of this end? I think that was probably the best way it could have ended. Yeah, I agree. I I really like, I mean, as before, I really like the, the look of the movie that's on the TV screen, but I really like when that zombie like breaks the fourth wall and stares out at her. I thought that was cool. I, I immediately started thinking of <laughs> Witch Who Came From the Sea in that shaving commercial. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of that, but the, you're right. We got you know, two two in we, a row. We tried to get away from that misery fest. And it was, we just did it again. We walked right into another bear trap. Another movie where characters speak to other characters through a TV. With the uh, casual child abuse on the side. Yeah. I, I, I mean, by today's standards, it would qualify. Um, I don't know if it was, uh, would have been that controversial in 1986 or 7. Well, actually, it's hebophilia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, so Rocky Duvall is the name of the actor who plays Jeff and he was 16. Um, and on IMDb, it says that he was told by his drama teacher that he would never make it, that he wasn't right for the role, but was shocked that he actually got the part. Do you think he went into class and was like, in your face, Mr. Anderson? I I can imagine it because I think he's probably just playing like himself. I just imagine him being this kind of kid. When you die, Mr. Anderson, history will forget your name, but I will live forever in the video dead. This is your ticket to longevity right here, which, I mean, he didn't play any other part, but this movie ended up getting a cult following and people ended up paying hundreds of dollars for it on eBay. He doesn't see that money, but somebody is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, you want to give your final thoughts and a rating out of four? Yeah, okay. Um, lame Leland limping in lukewarm here. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I am not big on horror comedies. So disregard what I'm saying 
if this genre is your jam because likely you've already seen this anyway everyone else here's the scoop for those who haven't seen this yet pull up the video on youtube fast forward to four minutes and 40 seconds and stop after the first zombie crawls out of the television fast forward to 2620 if you want to see a 16 year old get macked on and then skip to 57 minutes and some change and then just watch till you don't want to anymore and and there you go now you can talk about the video dead with your friends or one friend it's a cat or a house plant whatever your life is like the practical special effects are amazing especially for the budget i i think we've given that a lot of praise throughout this this podcast and it really shows that all the the timestamps is that i listed have all the best special effects scenes in the movie and you know i I still absolutely love the premise of a cursed tv with emerging horrors it's just so similar to the ring with the with the cursed vhs there's just something about it that's so endearing and it only i feel like this this feeling only works with older technology and maybe that's just because of my age but like let's say in like 15 to 30 years there's a movie that comes out that's about a haunted cd-rom I just don't think that would have the same effect. It's going to be like a slasher movie in the cloud. <laughs> How do I hide from a cloud? <laughs> yeah, although they kind of did that with Hellraiser. There's a Hellraiser where Pinhead is like in a virtual reality killing people. <laughs> oh, isn't that the lawnmower man? <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Um, But... For me, this this film just wasn't that funny for me, and I I, I really feel like that was two thirds of this film. I, I I stand by it. This was made as a horror comedy first, um, before being an actual like scare scary film. Sorry, Luke. For me, this was like a, a roller coaster of fun, but without the fun. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I would say my experience was like one and a half stars but four stars for effort because the fact that this was an indie project on a borderline shoestring budget for a for a motion picture is is nothing short of incredible and again if you are a fan of horror comedies this is probably this is definitely right up your alley yeah, so like I said, I really don't think of this as a horror comedy. I don't know that that really matters, but I just see this as a horror movie with like a casual sense of fun, I guess, and with some funny parts thrown in. But it's not perfect. Um, it's It's definitely got plot inconsistencies. It's got irrational decision making it has plot elements that like start and then go nowhere like the garbage man and i I wish those things were a little more carefully done but otherwise i really love this movie and maybe i just saw it at the right age or maybe it was that this was like a novelty that i found at a you know a rental store outside of my neighborhood and it had sort of a mythology or mystery to it 
but I just really like it. And it's kind of a comfort film for me where for whatever reason, I really like these characters and I really like the setting. And I like that there's six zombies and they all have their own look and personality. And if I just need a feel good movie on in the background, like I, I put on this movie all the time um, because it just makes me feel good. So I don't really have a good, like, objective defense of this movie being good, but I do really personally like it. And and I will say, as I did earlier, that I think with a film this low budget that feels like it was done amongst a very small group of people, like on weekends, I think you have to hold it to a different standard than you would a normal movie. I just think it's a different form of storytelling. And I think by that token, this movie's really successful. It feels like a group of my friends got together and like made a story for me to watch. So I don't feel remiss in giving this... I'll give it three stars. How do you not have a score prepared ahead of time? Usually I do, but as the as the conversation goes on and I think of things I hadn't thought of before, sometimes my inclination changes. Okay, I, I have had that happen. All right. Like, I thought I was going to give this three and a half. Hmm. But I feel like the the logical inconsistencies played a role in our conversation. And so that that knocked it down a peg for me. I just want more garbage man, man. Well, maybe they'll, they're doing uh, like those sequels to movies that came out 30 years ago are in vogue right now. So maybe we'll get a, a sequel. Oh, perhaps. Or, or a remake. No, this would probably be pretty good for a remake. You would only keep like 15% of what's here. I'll tell you what I I would be worried about with a remake of this and and what what I dislike about modern horror movies in general is I just don't find the characters likable and I don't know if it's that I just don't like people now or if the movies are being written with a different demographic in mind, but it seems like nine out of 10 horror movies that come out now, you've got a group of obnoxious college kids, like fraternity types that are just like making, acting like they're drunk buffoons the whole movie and like irritating and shallow and glued to their phones and like taking Instagram photos and like, I just can't stand the company of those people. And I feel like if you made this today, that's the way the teenagers would be. I'm not sold on that because if you wrote a movie like that, where all the characters were acting like real kids, right? Or real teenagers or real young adults where all they did was look at their phone and drink all day or not drink, but whatever, like vape and look at their phones all day and record TikToks, like that wouldn't be a movie. Like no one would want to watch that, even if they're going to get killed at some point. Yeah, but there's a... You you have to make them do other things. But there's a whole lot of horror movies that come out now that I just cannot stand the the characters. 
I don't know. They're, like What I like so much about this movie is that I enjoy the characters and feel like I could hang out with them and like they're comforting to me. But if I saw like the typical way that teenagers act in movies today, I do not want to spend any time with them. <laughs> I, like Amanda and I watched a movie last night called The Retreat. It's like a brand new horror movie on Hulu. And I'm other I'm not saying the movie was good in any respect, but what really made it awful and really made me not enjoy the experience were the characters. I, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, that's my problem with modern horror. It It's not like a nostalgia thing for me. It's not like, oh, I hate everything new or something. Um, it's, it's not even that I dislike the look of films with like digital and CGI, although I, I don't care for that look. It's the characters. Are what real is what really turns me off. Even like movies that are about families or about you know not about obnoxious teenagers. There's always some element of faux drama that I hate. Like the husband is cheating, or the wife suspects he's cheating, or they're fighting over something. Like there's there's this drama that has nothing to do with the horror, and I just that annoys me. That is not necessarily specific to new horror films. It's not, but I think it's more common. Like, so I just watched Prophecy for the first time from the late 70s. I thought it was going to be a monster film. It turned out to be like an ecological horror film that just happened to have a monster at some points. Right. And I can just imagine someone sees the poster you know, crazy looking monster thing goes to the, to goes to the movies to see this. And the first thing they're opened up to is a woman who is struggling on whether or not she wants to tell her husband that she's pregnant and whether or not to just have an abortion and not say anything about it. And then it segues into a man who basically makes a living off sell, suing landlords like slum lords for mistreating their tenants and then it segues into the struggle between a logging company and a group of native americans over a territory dispute like the monster doesn't even show up for like two-thirds of the way through the film yeah but see all that's interesting to me like in that movie i i like all the plot that's going on i'm not saying that horror movies can't have side plots or can't have like complex characterizations i just hate the ones that only seem to exist to like jerk me around or make me feel something about the characters so okay okay I'll, I'll meet you halfway there because well first off the point i was getting at is like imagine you walk into a monster movie and then like that that's just what you get for like two-thirds of the film it's just like discourse about that stuff but anyway um <laughs> i i really like that movie by the way it, that it, it that seems to be the major theme of like all 70s killer animal movies though it's always some like piranha is like that uh, all the piranha ripoffs are like that yeah uh, it, it came out during that time like frogs yeah. slugs uh-huh the the uh, killer bees there's like, like five killer bee movies i feel like we're probably gonna find one of those to cover eventually there's gotta be one psychologically disturbing one 
I actually like some of those, but I like slugs a lot. I think slugs is a blast. You know, Slugs is horror comedy, and I would put it on the list. You know what my favorite of those movies is, though, that popped to mind is Alligator. I feel like I've seen it. That's the gator in the sewer, right? Yeah, and it stars Robert Forster. Yes. Oh, who's also in Prophecy, right? Oh, I don't remember if he's in that. Oh, let me see. I might have the wrong white guy in my head. Robert Forster's the guy from Jackie Brown. Hmm... Well, my internet browser froze on this garbage laptop. I can look. Mm, no, I do not see Robert Forster. There's a Robert Foxworth. Uh, Robert F name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, so there's... Right, we're getting really derailed here. <laughs> yeah, there's just something about um, it, new it, horror movies and the characters. All right, that. so I think the issue is that... um. And, you know, it's not just a horror thing. It's like an, an all media thing. And it started with Game of Thrones being popular in in like uh, cultural entertainment. It's all these screenwriters are instead of trying to make like good and bad, everything is just shades of gray and everyone has like evil. Well, not evil, but like deplorable personal tendencies. And I, I think that's bleeding out into everything right now. The, so because that's the difference between you know a marriage on the rocks for drama and then just like some guy cheating on his wife because you know they just want to try to humanize him as a person say look he's an actual person because he does bad things and good things yeah th i mean this this trend that i'm thinking of started way before game of thrones like the first movie i remember seeing in terms of like release date that i felt this way about is scream like i know people love scream and no, scream yeah what what's yeah what scream? what what's wrong with scream what, what is wrong with scream I, I just hate the characters yeah I, I just i they're just like every other teenage hack and slash yeah, but there's they're different. There's like I don't know. I can't articulate it, but there's a difference in the way the characters like talk and behave between the scream era and after and the eighties and the seventies to a lesser extent. Mm. Like All right, I already met you halfway. I'm satisfied. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I can't articulate it. If if you share this opinion of mine, like, let's talk about it. Because um, I know disliking Scream is a... You know, part of it is um, not just the characters, but, like, Scream is where we started getting ironic horror, which I really don't enjoy or appreciate. It was the first, right? Oh, yeah, I'm not knocking it as a film. I'm just saying I don't enjoy it. Hmm. But anyway, all right. So next week, we're doing a really obscure one. The 1971 Jose Larraz movie, Deviation. So if you're not familiar with Jose Larraz, he did Vampires, the, um, the like erotic Spanish lesbian vampire movie. I'm blanking on what else he did, but he's, he's well known for a few. But this is a really 
obscure one, but it is available on YouTube. So if you want to join us next week for Deviation uh, and you have not seen it, check it out on YouTube. It's there supposedly uncut. And we'll do that next week. Leland, you have any last words? I think about two episodes ago, we finally hit the milestone. The milestone being that more than half of our listens, <laughs> total listens, are not from the baby episode. Yeah, for some reason, our baby episode is like hugely popular. It's been downloaded like 250 times. Um, it's some absurd number like that. And uh, I don't know that you guys really like the baby, I guess. We haven't cracked the code. I don't necessarily think we did an amazing job on it. <laughs> just, I don't know, some, somewhere someone promoted the baby. I guess people just like that movie um, or just want to hear someone else talk about it. I think that is the kind of movie where after you see it, you're like, I just need to talk about this movie. Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you go search out podcasts that have done it. Uh, I don't know that anybody, I don't know that enough people have seen Deviation uh, to seek out a podcast about it, but I hope that if you not have not seen it, then uh, our podcast inspires you to watch it because it's a cool movie and it's worth um, talking about, I think, even if you don't like it. All right, so that's it for this week. Um, join us next week for Deviation. And until then, goodbye.